everybody knew that being dead could put you in a terrible mood. The people were already setting out the dead's favorite corn husk cigarettes, and if they could not afford tobacco, they filled the cigarros with machuche, which would burn just as well and only make the smokers cough a little. Grandmother's thimble, grandfather's old bullets, pictures of father and mother, a baby's umbilical cord and a crocheted pouch. They saved up their centavos to buy loaves of ghost bread and sugar skulls with blue icing on their foreheads, spelling out the names of the dead they wished to honor, though they could not read the skulls. And the confectioners often couldn't read them either, an alphabet falling downstairs. Tomas Urrea, the master of the rancho, along with his hired cowboys, thought it was funny to note the grammatical atrocities committed by the candy skulls, Martia, Jorge, Octablio. The vaqueros laughed wickedly, though most of them couldn't read either. Still, they were not about to lead Don Tomas to think they were brutos, or even worse, pendejos. A poem, Tomas announced. Oh, no, said his best friend, Don Lauro Aguirre, the great engineer on one of his regular visits. There once was a young man from Guamuchil, Tomas recited, whose name was Pinche Inutil. And, said Don Lauro, I haven't worked it out yet. Tomas rode his wicked black stallion through the frosting of starlight that turned the ranch blue and pale gray as if powdered sugar had blown off the sky and sifted over the mangos and mesquites. Most of the citizens of Sinaloa had never wandered more than 100 miles. He had traveled more than anyone else, 107 miles an epic journey undertaken five days before when he and his foreman, Segundo, had led a squad of armed outriders to Los Mochis, then to the Sea of Cortes beyond, all to collect Don Lauro Aguirre, arriving by ship from Farmazatlan, and with him a shipment of goods for the ranch, which they contracted for safe delivery in a conducta wagon train accompanied by cavalry. In Los Mochis, Tomás had seen the legendary object called the Sea. More green than blue, he'd noted to his companions, already an expert on first sight. The poets are wrong. Pinches poets, said Segundo, hating all versifiers and psalmists. They had gone on to greet the engineer at the docks. He fairly danced off the boat, so charged with delight was he, to be once again in the rustic arms of his bon ami très enchanté. Under his arm, carefully wrapped in oilcloth, Aguirre clutched a leather-bound copy of Maxwell's treatise on electricity and magnetism. In Aguirre's opinion, the Scotsman had written a classic. Don Laudo had a nagging suspicion that electricity, this occult force, and magnetism, certainly a force of spirit, could be used to locate and even affect the human soul. In his pocket, a greater wonder was hidden, a package of Adam's Black Jack chewing gum. The indescribable flavor of licorice. Wait until Tomas tasted that. The ship looked to Segundo like a fat bird with gray wings floating on the water after eating some fish. He was delighted with himself and pointed to the boat and told one of the buckaroos, Fat bird, 
ate some fish, floating around. He lit a little cigar and grinned, his gums and teeth clotted with shreds of tobacco. Segundo had the face of an Aztec carving. He had Chinese eyes and a sloping Mayan forehead. His nose was a great curving blade that hung down over his drooping bandido mustache. He thought he was handsome, but then Aguirre also thought himself handsome, though he seemed to have inherited the penchant for fat cheeks that was supposed to be the curse of the Urrea clan. He tried to remember to suck in his cheeks, especially when he was being compared to his friend, Don Tomas. Where had Tomas's cheeks gone? In bright light, you could see his cheekbones casting shadows as if he were some Indian warrior, and those eyes, Urrea, had a ferocious gleam in his eyes, a glare. Men found it unnerving, but women were apparently mesmerized. They were the only green eyes Aguirre had ever beheld. You have much work to do, you lazy bastard, said Tomas. The Urrea clan paid Aguirre handsomely to exercise his education for them in the elaborate hydrological and construction plans. He had designed a network of vents to carry odors from the house's revolutionary indoor toilet. He had even astounded them all by designing a system of pipes that carried water uphill. With liquid on the mind, it was not long before they found the notorious El Farolito Cantina. There they ate raw shellfish still gasping under tides of lime juice and hot sauce and great crystals of salt that cracked between the teeth of the men. Naked women rock.